Welcome to the Readings Podcast. My guest today is Maury Schwartz, proprietor of Schwartz Media, owner of Black Ink Publishing, Nero, The Quarterly Essay, The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. He began his publishing career with Outback Press in the early 70s and has continued publishing ever since over different genres and diff- with different intensity. Today, Black Ink is one of Australia's most highly respected independent publishers and Australia's cultural and political and intellectual landscape I think, is enriched by the existence of Schwartz Media. Oh, Welcome, thank you, Murray. Murray. Thank you. It's lovely to have you here um, in our little podcast series. Good to be here. <laughs> um, just first, I, th- I thought it be just might be interested, um, other people I've interviewed, I sort of asked them a bit about their background just to see if there's any pointers that might have led you to this career. So t- your family were immigrants, I believe. Yes, <laughs> for, uh, we were immigrants. I was uh, 10 when we arrived in Australia. Mm. Uh, we, when I was one, I was, we were refugees from Hungary right. after the Second World War. Uh, and then we came to Australia from Israel in uh, 1958. Mm. And um, your parents, were they big readers or interested in politics and... Yes, I, I, I'd and... say yes. My father was keenly interested in politics and, uh, and had a had a strange sort of ability to, to 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 be able to know what was going to happen. Right. Um, and we never believed him, but he was always right. Mm. Um, and that was kind of mysterious. Right. And my mother was a great, great reader. Yeah. And so we, we grew up in a house of books. So books were very much part of your your life and growing up. and Absolutely, read. absolutely. And... Um, your father was in the. Building. He was in a property business. Yeah, so uh, he was a property developer. Mm. Uh, yeah. Go on, sorry. No, so he was a property developer, and you started to study architecture, didn't you? I did that yeah. for a year at Melbourne University, right, right. and then I thought I could do better without without a degree, <laughs> although the world didn't need me as an architect. <laughs> right, and so I guess the question is then, what? How, how did the publishing? Where did that come from? Interesting. Um, that was already after a couple of other ventures. Uh, oh, right. I started off as a film distributor. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, we used to take uh, buy the rights to films and take them around the country in our very early twenties. Yeah. Um, and that uh, ended for reasons I won't talk about. No. <laughs> it would take too long. And then um, it was. It really the. Publishing, which, which was the first uh, imprint, was Outback Press, mm. which was also one of the first uh, independent publishers in Australia for a long time. So w- when was that? It was, it was 1973. Right. And at that time, it was really a, a wasteland uh, mm. in, in publishing in Australia. Mm. Angus and Robertson, which had been a powerhouse was almost on its last legs as a publisher. Uh, Rigby, which was also a great Australian publisher, was also on on their way out. Um, Of course, you had the British publishers, but Mm. even they, they were busy making money in education, I think, Mm. and in terms of trade books, uh, Australian, almost none. Mm. Uh, There would be entire years, I think, in the very early 70s where there'd be hardly a novel published in the country. Mm. They used um, to come from England, didn't they? They used to come from England. Yeah. And we used to drink in, 
in a pub, pub called, uh, um, what was it called? The Albion. The Albion, <laughs> yeah. that's right, that's right. And everyone thought that they were geniuses of the Albion. Yeah. And uh, they all bewailed the fact that there was no way of getting published. Mm. So four of us got together. Yeah. Uh, it was um, Alfred Milgram. Uh, it was uh, Mark Gillespie. He was a musician. He was a musician. Yeah. And Colin Talbot. He was a and, writer. <laughs> uh, he was a writer. And the four of us got together and decided to start this thing called the Outback Press. It was going to be called the Outback Front, the <laughs> Outback whatever it was. And it was... Uh, a thing of its time, really. It was very mm. countercultural. Yes, I remember. And, mm. and, and influenced very much by uh, West Coast counterculture in the That's US. Small press publishing. Small press publishing. There yeah. was nothing like it here, absolutely mm. nothing. So we were the first of the mm. rank, mm. Uh, first cab of the rank. Uh, I think that Wild and Woolly followed fairly soon after. Yeah. And then McPhee Gribble some years after. Mm. And uh, it was enormous fun. And the. <laughs> The trade, the trade accepted us very quickly, right? Um, and, and 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 did the right thing by us. I'm talking about the retail trade, right? So, because at that was a very different landscape at that time. It was what was Collins, Angus and Robinson? That's right. There weren't many independent bookshops. Uh, no, there weren't. There weren't. Yeah. Uh, and distribution was uh, yes, through a company was... called Collins Forlib, right? Uh, as I remember it. I have a terrible memory. Mm. Uh, before and then, I think was Gordon and Gotch, uh, mm. and uh, it's interesting because in those early years, uh, volumes were very high because were there they? was so little supply. Volumes were very high. Mm. You know, books like, like for example, uh, Mother Unrooted, which was that- a collection of Australian feminist poetry. Mm which Kate Jennings edited and mm. she advertised. Uh, she advertised for people to enter and said so there were hundreds and hundreds of poets. <laughs> Something like that today would sell you know, a 1,000 copies mm. and I think we printed 8,000 copies and then reprinted. My goodness. Uh, yeah, really. Mm. And try and try and buy a copy today. You'll pay a lot for it. Right, Mother, right, I'm rooted. Right. Yes, no, um, I, I remember that book. Um, you do, you I do. Think, I think I might have sold it. I'm <laughs> sure I did. <laughs> um, so th- that was Outback Press, um, and that lasted as Outback Press for some years, maybe five, six, seven years, that's right. all. And then we got into legal trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did... Uh, and can I going to talk about the legal problems? It was oh, a cricket book called oh, Lambs yes. to the Slaughter. Yes. And the cricket board, for one reason or another, took us to court over it. And, uh, what, because it was... They said well, it was libelous? Well, they didn't like uh, the contents, and uh, so they, they tried to stop the book. Right. Um, it was Graham Yallop was the captain of the Australian mm. cricket team, mm. and... It was a complex, a complex case. Right. In any case, we had a pyrrhic victory, but it depleted our uh, our reserves. <laughs> That's right, completely. And that was it. Right. Uh, so we had to close that down. And uh, the next day, I started Schwartz Publishing. Just going back to Outback Press. I mean, it was sort of like a collective, wasn't it? it was it you four guys? And how, how did you decide what you were going to publish? And- oh, we fought. You fought, mm, right? That's right. <laughs> so <laughs> we battled each other, right? Um, but it, it, it was really fairly consensual. Yeah, 
It would, you know, a, did, a good a good book would get published. You know. Did authors come to you, or did you go and seek out? You know, authors. Uh, we you have to seek out authors. Uh, mm. Unsolicited manuscripts, and I'm now talking with 43 years or 44 yes. years <laughs> of publishing experience, are a great rarity. You know, if a, if you, a good if you, one, a good one, or publishable one. Right. If you get one a year, it's extraordinary. Wow, yeah. really. Yeah. So every book you actually go out there and you you solicit. Mm. And with Outback Press, did you? You said you fought all the time, but was there some sort of overarching philosophy behind the kinds of books you wanted to do? Or um, look, the, the the philosophy hasn't changed in all those years. Mm. Um, Great writing, or what you perceive to be good writing, mm. that's that was always the basis, right? Always the basis, mm. it still is, yeah. Um, and and good editing, and those two things uh, are important in publishing, and mm. it's, it's never changed. Mm. And um, so Outback Press was it showed to you that you could publish books, I guess. Is that what you learned? You could publish books that you thought were, had merit. And well, people you, would buy them. You could. Uh, there was, uh, back at that time, um, after during the early Whitlam era, mm. the, the first two or three Whitlam years, mm. I suppose that's all there were, mm. uh, there was um, there was support right. from the Literature Board. And was that important? It was Did, very important. I uh, think we were the largest recipients. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it was... Uh, it was like it is today. Uh, book publishing has never been a, a good business. <laughs> right. It's a very satisfying business. It's a very kind of culturally important business. It's uh, it's important for the national soul. It's important for so many reasons, but it's a bad business. <laughs> and I think that you could talk to any publisher and, you know, if they're going to be honest with you, still, if you publish well... You get by. You, you get by. You mm. can do all right. You can make a profit. Mm. Uh, but you need to publish well the whole time. Mm. You know, you, you can't lose concentration. No. So after, but after um, Outback Press, you continued to publish. Absolutely. But you sort of diverted a little bit from. Yes, there were <laughs> there were a few. Well, it was interesting. There were a few very commercial years. Right, uh, but they were they were balanced up by some you know very very good books. Like for example, during those commercial years during which we published the Pritikin Diet and mm. the James Fix Book of Running mm. and, and and looking uh, out for number one, looking out for number one, but Robert Ringer and all Taming these the junk food monster. That's <laughs> indeed, Alan, that wasn't a good seller at all. Uh, but it's had a cover. wonderful cover. That's right. Uh, Mark's uh, son, young yes. son, was on the cover. With lollies all around him, <laughs> as I remember. Um, during those years, we still published some very, very good books. I mean, for example, we did uh, the Hawk book. Yes, that, by, I was going to uh, ask Blanche you about that. Yeah. And that would have sold something like fifty or fifty-five thousand copies in hardcover before mm. going to a huge paperback run with mm. Penguin. I sold the rights. Yes. Mm. Um, we had a bit of a downturn financially, which happens from time to mm. time in publishing, and uh, we sold the paperback rights, and I think they sold two hundred or 250,000 mm. copies. I, I don't begrudge it. No. Um, so did you have colleagues working with you at that time, or were you almost doing it yourself? Or? I was really doing it by myself at right. that time. But you are also working at 
a proper job? Well, I wasn't working a proper job. I had a, I started the property development company. Right. In fact, it was initially a concreting company. All right. Called Aardvark. Oh. Aardvark Concreting was yeah. a contracting company. And right. It was called Aardvark because we were the Aardvarkers. <laughs> we worked very hard. <laughs> and uh, it was, um, so I'd do that during the day. In, in, in the evening, I'd be publishing. Right. And uh, we, look, during those years, the focus was to rebuild um, to buy rights from the states, yeah. which we were the only ones doing, it was really very, very easy. Mm. Um, you'd just go to the states. I mean, we had no email or anything like that. We <laughs> <Yeah>. had telex, <laughs> but uh, that was very clumsy. Was Fred still involved in? Or Fred was involved? No, he wasn't no, involved no, in no. sports publishing. Mm. He was. He started the thing called Melbourne House. Ah, oh, right. So yeah. we diverged. Oh, so he yeah. he did one thing. I did the other. Mm. Um, and then eventually he left books for, uh, he became a game publisher yeah. and a great one. He is <laughs> right. still considered to be the father oh, right. of Australian yeah. gaming right. or game, you know, I don't know what they call it. Not game, not gambling. No, Sorry, no, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> this is, and, uh, so at that same time, I was also focusing on trying to build a larger market so I actually started publishing in the UK oh. uh, in partnership so with... with the American books that you'd bought the rights to? With or? the American books that are, I, oh. I, I would buy. The British didn't want anyone to tell them how to, no. how to live, how to mm. diet, how to run, mm. how to eat, how to, how to, how to have sex. Yeah. The British were above that. They weren't <laughs> going to have the Americans tell them any of this. So they just left all these great... Huge selling books, number one books in the States. Mm. They left them on the shelf. Mm. Uh, they left them unbought. Yeah. Um, and so I just picked them all up and I thought, now I've mm. got all these British rights. So I did a deal with uh, Bantam. Right. Uh, the UK, the UK arm of, yeah. uh, of Bantam. And there was, a, uh, uh, was an imprint called Bantam Schwartz. Yeah. It did extraordinarily well. <laughs> yeah. We sold a lot of books. And I don't know why I ever stopped that. Yeah. I must have got bored or I forgot or yeah. this happens in my career. <laughs> it you sounds know. a bit like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do remember a conversation I had quite in the shop in one of the first readings when readings was where I think Ligon Court is now. And <laughs> you were telling me about your new publishing philosophy. You'd said, I, I go, I look what's on the New York Times bestseller list. If it's available, I'll buy it. Simple as that. Well, it doesn't work anymore nowadays. You cannot do that because by the time it's on the New York bestseller list, it's too late. Mm. You know, everyone is, A, everyone is chasing it and, B, you've got to publish uh, within a certain period, the 30-day mm. rule, mm. but we don't need to get, get technical. No, no. Um, so you're doing these this kind of publishing and then but at the same time you're still doing some books that I suppose you would be proud of. To... I was proud of those books as well. Yeah. Um, but they weren't ones but... you originated or... Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I always did books that I originated. There was always a book project that yeah. I was really fond of and local and powerful. Yeah. And um, I think you did Elizabeth's Jolly. We did, we did. Now, that was still Outback Press. Was it? Right, yeah. 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 Um, but as you, you referred before to... The Hawk biography, which was a very 
was a great book, but also important for Hawke for his career, wasn't it? It really set him up as well. It a was a way for him to be a le- seen as a leader to, to, to make his uh, to, to make all of his faults public mm. before before someone mm. else did. Yes. Uh, so it was a it was a great strategy from him in yeah. agreeing with uh, Blanche Delpuge, who of mm. course eventually became his, his wife. wife. Yeah. Um, agreeing to do the book. It was a huge book. Now, there, how, there, how did there, you get that book? Uh, Rose, presum- Rosemary Creswell. Because presumably other publishers would have been interested in it. No, no. They no, weren't? No, no. There was no competition back at that right. time. Yeah. You know, the, the world is a different place. Yeah. It, now it's like a, it's like a jungle. <laughs> you know, if, there is, if, there, if there is even a hint of quality in a book project, every publisher is onto it, paying huge advances. Right. It's a feeding frenzy now. Back right. then it was just a totally different time. Right. Because um, I suppose I, there wasn't, it wouldn't be something that McPhee Gribble, would, but Brian Johns at um, Penguin would have been interested in a book like that. You would have. Mm, yeah, Brian Johns um, wasn't didn't need to be hungry, right? Uh, Brian mm. Johns got a, you know he published a few Australian books, mm. but really he was Penguin, so you know his business mm. was to publish British mm. books. Mm. They, they they had a program. Mm, yeah, but it wasn't a program that was kind of. It wasn't a risk-taking program. It was. Um, it was a nice program. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ours was a different thing. Right, it right. was energetic and aggressive, yeah. and um, I paid a good advance for it yeah. to Blanche, um, and I don't think they would have done that. And there, there seemed to be no competition. Anyway, Rosemary mm. Creswell introduced me, who, who recently passed away. Yes, yeah. She was wonderful. She was mm. one of the great... So you worked with her? Uh, yes. Like, yeah. yes, 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 yes. And um, so that went on to be a huge success. And then yeah, and there were others. Um, I can't remember what right, they were, right. but there were. And then you also sort of became involved with other... I mean, you had a brief relationship with Michael Wilkinson, didn't you? With we did. The, but that journalist. was an imprint. I mean, oh, I, oh, I, I continued Schwartz Publishing. Oh, right. And then we did a Schwartz, Schwartz Wilkinson, Wilkinson right. imprint. Right. Um, and that was very business-oriented. Oh, I see. Right. Um, and we published a lot of books successfully mm. and mm. then we we bought um, Who's Who from uh, Murdoch. Right. And we had that for a few years and... Uh, we did some um, directory publishing, right. um, all kinds of directories, directories mm. of Australian associations, directory mm. of all these things. This is pre-internet when that sort of yeah. thing was important. Yeah. Uh, but Schwartz Publishing continued at the same time. Right. And was that always your passion, that Schwartz? Mm. Passion? No. I don't know if yeah. I've got any passion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. And then um, you also sort of briefly flirted with Henry Rosenblum, didn't you, from Scribe? Oh, that, uh, Henry, hello, Henry. <laughs> that was a very brief flirtation. We um, we decided to publish under together. Yeah. Uh, under the imprint of uh, Schwartz and Rosenblum. Sounds good. Was it Rosenblum and Schwartz? <laughs> I can't remember. I'm sure right. we fought over that. <laughs> and uh, we 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 went. Printed the most beautiful letterhead with uh, because Schwartz black in German Rosenblum rose, so there was a black rose. 
uh-huh. on the uh, you know beautifully. I think it was embossed, right? <laughs> you know, Schwartz and Rosenblum. Was Schwartz and Rosenblum? Mm-hmm. Henry might correct me. And uh, we were planning to do these books, but uh, I received a letter from Henry on one of these <laughs> fabulous <laughs> new letterheads, right? <laughs> Uh, where he told me that he didn't think that we could work together. Right. It was a long letter. I've still got it. <laughs> Henry, I'll share it with you one day in case <laughs> you haven't kept a copy. And uh, you're gone, sorry. No, that's a nice story. Um, so Black Ink, to my mind, and I might be wrong, seemed to me was the time when you started to become quite serious about, or f- more focused in your publishing is that, would that be true? Or? Look, probably. Um, there was there was the yeah, look. It was a different era, right? It was you know it it, it wasn't counter was, it wasn't counterculture anymore. No, no, it was Australian culture. It was yeah. you know all mm. the, we'd arrived in at a different time. Yeah, uh, we arrived at a time of uh, gr- seriousness, and it wasn't my seriousness. It was the culture's seriousness. Mm. It was the seriousness of young people. Uh, and when people like Chris Fike and uh, and Sophie Williams mm. and Caitlin Yates uh, arrived, I noticed that they were very different to the way we were. You know, they weren't uh, partying the whole time. Um, they weren't <laughs> doing all the hippie things that we used to do. Mm. Um, they were serious and they were hugely intelligent and they worked very hard um, and they became part of of black ink and um, I, with that resource and I was I was the driver in the early years mm. um, of what black ink became they've since become the driver you know black, right. yeah, Chris Fike for example is the publisher of black ink and has been now for a long time uh, I'm the publisher of quarterly essay still mm. uh, but it was this different time that arrived and if you look at a publishing company today, it looks so different to Wild and Woolly and, yes. and Outback Prayer. So these were crazy times. In between times, mm. they mm. were strange times. This was kind of, you know, the 60s hadn't died till, mid, till, till, till the late 70s because of the people of the 60s, the people who matured in the late 60s were the same people who were still kind of running things mm. uh, till the early 80s even. But then the world changed. And then uh, I think Black Hink has been, uh, it's, it's a company that I'm very, very proud of mm. and proud of it to this very day. Mm. Um, and I I like to think that in terms of original, serious Australian nonfiction, uh, we're up there. We're up there. Oh, without doubt. Um, so it's just sort of, so you think it's, you were responding to the change circumstances. Yeah, we live in our really? times. We live oh, in our times, right. absolutely. Um, um, so Outback Press was a reflection of those days. Yes, yes. And there was a demand and, for what we were doing. Mm. Uh, not that I ever think of demand, which is probably my fault. I should <laughs> look at demand. We do what we want to do. Right. Because we figured that if we want to do it, then... Then there must then, be something. Hopefully there's yeah, someone somehow else. Somehow <laughs> we meet the zeitgeist. Um, mm. So... Yes, I, I suppose you live in the times. You live mm. in the times. I mean, an outsider or someone would would describe Black Ink as a, a serious 
press that's tackling serious issues. Would you describe it as? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, it, it is, and it publishes very, very good books. Mm. Uh, it still does some buying in from the States. Yes, Betty Friedan uh, book. Uh, but that is really mostly for its more commercial imprint, which is called Nero mm. Books. Good books, but more commercial. Yeah. Uh, and from time to time an Outback Press book, uh, a Black Ink book might be bought in. Right. But mostly not. They're originals. Mm. They're by, generally by Australian writers mm. and they're serious. And then there are all these other imprints that live in there as well. There is uh, Redback Books. Yes. Which are... They're short, they're short books, aren't they? They're short books, books of about... Uh, we call them books with bite. <laughs> <laughs> They are about four, around 40,000 words, and I think we're up to number uh, maybe number 10 or 11, 12, mm. um, and we've got some really great ones coming up, but I won't go into those. But that, that, there's, you, you recognise a series because uh, the title is always on a red square. Um, and yeah, it has a spider on it, doesn't it? Has a spider on it. Yeah. There is one coming up. Uh, there are a couple coming up. One is called Crossing the Line, which is Australia's Secret History in Timor by Kim McGrath. Mm. Um, and that's the history of the Timor Sea. And huge shame to a series of Australian governments on both sides. Mm. And I think it's going to be, I mean, I think this is uh, going to be a book that's going to be hated by many and uh, and cause a big stir. Do you like it when your books do that? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I think it's important. Yeah. I mean, who else is going to do it? Mm. You know, it, 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 society can only be moved or changed mm. or bettered mm. uh, by by uncovering that which is uh, wrong. And do you think um, books have a relatively small readership? Um, they have a big knock-on effect. Right, so you think they do, can, oh, yeah. can impact, have wi- yeah, much wider impact? Much wider. Yeah. A book can... In, in what way do you think? Well, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, books are publicised. Yeah. So the author talks on the media and that's still very available to us, mm-hmm. you know. The ABC is very good at that, mm. um, both radio and TV. So if a book is important, it it, it, it can have an effect of, you know, a hundred times what its sales are, which is a pity because I'd love for the book to sell all that. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got reviews and then you've got debate. And sometimes, you know, for example, the book that we published um, on Windshuttle's book, Mm. In response to Windchuttle's mm. first book, which was titled, I can't remember. Was that Robert Mann put that together? Or? Yes, yeah. it was a collection. Mm. Well, that there was a debate around that issue and that book of ours that raged as part of the history mm. wars, I guess, mm. for months, for months and months. So the papers were full of it for so long. So if you spark a debate. The debate can just go on and on. Mm. And so that there won't be a person in Australia who won't know that this right. debate is happening. Where did it start? It started with a book. Yes. It started with a mm. book. So this happens often. Yeah. 
And that's important. That's part of the kind of non-fiction that we... And particularly if we call them books with bite. (laughs) Surely. (laughs) Well, that must be very exciting. It is a a great series. Uh, uh, And uh, we're very pleased with it. So you reimagine yourself, I guess, with black ink and... And then you get start to just start some other ventures. Why? Why? Well, you know, um, do you get bored, or you want new things to do? Or? Oh, you can't go and do the same thing over and over <laughs> again. You've got to do new things. Uh, I, I think that uh, when we started the best offs, it was something like nearly twenty years coming coming up to twenty right. years next so the year. The best offs. Best, be, People be, may not know what they... Okay, it, it, it was the, the best Australian best essays, or best Australian essays, best uh, Australian Same stories. stories. Event, three or four years later, we started best Australian poetry. poem or yeah. poetry. And uh, we launched them at readings 19 years ago. Right. There you go. They're next still year, going. Yep. Next year, uh, next year... It's going to be 20, so we'll have to have a party at readings. <laughs> so did you see that as um, well, I remember, a different I remember, kind of publishing? Or? Yes. I mean, yeah. look, it was an idea that wasn't original. It no. came from the States. Yeah. They've got Best American Stories, yeah. Best yeah. American uh, Essays, and it was a good – and it was always – I used to buy them. I used to love them. Yeah. And I thought this is important. <laughs> and people said that we're not we, – we won't have enough essays yeah. or stories to fill a book like that. Uh, I knew that that was wrong. Right. And I remember when I launched it, I said, I can tell you that in 10 years' time, these will still be going, and I got guffaws. <laughs> this is from your colleagues? <laughs> no, no, from the, off, oh, oh. Off, off, off the floor. That's right. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> anyway, <coughs> 20 years later, still going strong, mm. and there's certainly enough material, and there is more and more material. Um, I think that if anything... Besides blacking serious publishing, I think that what we've done is re, um, rediscovered or the idea of the essay in Australia mm. and published that. So these were this best essays was so when I then you know a few years later, which is about twelve years ago now, I started publishing the monthly magazine. Mm. Um, I found that about fifty percent of all the and I. We always had independent editors. Right. So the editor was always outside of the house. And these were mm. always major... For the books, these best no, of for, for best of. Yeah, yeah. And they always had, always, every year, 50% of their sales would come from the monthly. So the monthly also changed the... really changed the world of the essay in Australia, mm. I think. Mm. Um, Before the monthly, there was the quarterly essay, wasn't there? Uh, there was, yeah. there was. Sorry, there was. So did that? Uh, I, I think the quarterly essay was, is sort of fifteen come, years old, or sixteen mm, years old yeah. now. I've got it written down down here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be about that. Two thousand, two thousand, seventeen years old. Yeah, um, and 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 seventeen by four. It's a lot of quarterly essays. It is. And uh, look, that's a form that I've you know I'll take credit for inventing because that yeah no one. No, no, nowhere in the world yeah, does that yeah. exist. So, did that the idea from that come from the best of series, or that you said, "Oh, there's if I could mm. encourage better," because it it's it, sat, it, 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 it was came quite from my love of the middle length 
it's the the thing that lives between a non-fiction book and a long essay. Right. It's the very short book. Mm. It's the book of 30,000 words where now there isn't the leisure of spreading the material out over a whole book. Mm. You've got to compress the idea that you might put into a whole book into 30,000 mm. words and no one no one finds it easy. This mm. the writing of a quarterly essay is is a real art. <laughs> mm. Uh, it kills the poor old writer. I know. You know, Germaine Greer I, I said know, that she's uh, never had a harder time in her life. I know Anna Crean and I. She yeah, no, or suffered. Everyone <laughs> suffers. This is, this is a suffering machine. But the outcome is always brilliant. Mm. In the hands of Chris Fike as editor and publisher. No, no, I'm the publisher of that one. <laughs> Him as editor and with the best writers in Australia because the series has got the power to attract the best. In fact, there are a lot more people who want to be published in quarterly essays than we can possibly do because we can only do for a year. Yeah. Uh, so it's a form that everyone took to and the, the, the idea of having responses at the back to the previous issue mm. came from The New Yorker. Oh, right. Not, not The New Yorker, The New York Review of Books. Right, right. Oh, that's right, yes. Because yeah. at the back, they mm. used to do that more than they do now. Mm. In the early days, they used to have all these letters, but long mm. pieces by great people re responding to the previous issue. Mm. So that came from there. And look, it was born fully formed. Um, it I think, hasn't Ro I think Robert Mann did the first Robert, one. He yeah, did the yeah. first one called In Denial. Mm. And uh, that was about the stolen generation. Stolen generation, yeah. that's yeah. right. So it was very timely. It was. Yeah. And that timely is the interesting thing, mm. whether it's by luck or by. <laughs> the concentration that we put mm. into, the, the thought mm. that we put into, and particularly Chris nowadays, mm. uh, in, 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 because we've got to be working three ahead, two yeah, or three yeah, ahead, yeah, yeah. and to think about what's going to be important, like for the current Crean one, mm. uh, Anna Crean's one, uh, which is about Adani. I mean, mm. that was commissioned th three quarters of a year ago. Mm. But... Somehow it's, we've always lucked out mm. or thought very hard <laughs> yeah. and the issue is always relevant. Mm. And, uh, and, and they've had huge impact, I think, mm. huge impact. I mean, you know, David Mars one, Rob Mann's one, one's his more than one, mm. uh, Don Watson's, all of them, all of them mm. um, have been very, very strong. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go on to praise it, but... Uh, no, well, I, I think... <laughs> Well, I think they're a fantastic initiative and um, I think changed the landscape of, of publishing and way showing people that actually Australian thinkers and writers can produce works of great value and um, make a great contribution, which I think to me is what you've been able to achieve, I think. You know, first with the essays and then collections and then with quarterly essay. Mm. And, 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 and let me say about quarterly essay... It's as if it was born yesterday. The energy behind it hasn't waned one bit. Yes, it must be. I would have thought, yeah, to just yeah, no, keep there up. There was no waning of energy. Mm. It's as if we're doing the first one. You know, the excitement of each one, mm. the effort that goes into it. And, you know, can I say they're, they're financially successful. Yeah. They, yeah. Make, they make really good money. And that's mm. important. Yes. Um, they work. People want them. Well, I suppose work. that also gives... We all like success. That's right. <laughs> well, success is imperative. Yeah. 
Mm. You know, uh, you've got and success have... comes in different forms, but financial success is also. No, I'm talking about financial success is <laughs> imperative mm. in publishing. Mm. Otherwise, you, you know, mm. you run out of money pretty quickly. Yeah, or you have to keep on putting it in. Or you have to put it, keep putting it. You've got to have it to put it in. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Not everyone does. No. Um, so then there's a quarterly essay, then the monthly, mm. which again is uh, it, that that also has the same feeling. Mm. It, it, its energy hasn't waned. Mm. Uh, I think it's better than it's ever been mm. uh, under Chris Fike, uh, Nick Fike, Chris's brother. <laughs> yes, Nick Fike. Sorry, Nick, uh, who is uh, an extraordinary editor mm. and with a great eye for the right stories. And it's a it's a beloved magazine. Look, it's the only current affairs magazine in Australia that's left. Yeah. That's left. Yeah, which is you know. Mm. I don't know. It's really not a comment on Australia. It's a comment on on that form of publication mm-hmm. with all what's available online, uh, which is really online. Mag- the whole online world is a magazine. You've mm-hmm. got long form. You've got you, know, you, you, you can get the you know, every morning. We publish a thing called the briefing online, mm-hmm. and every afternoon we publish. Online mm. again yeah. with Sean Kelly, mm. which uh, is brilliant. I love reading. Mm? You think I think he's great. He's fantastic, yeah. and you know, <laughs> and Alex McKinnon in the morning is mm. fantastic, and uh, the afternoon is called is called the monthly today. Mm. And these are kind of these are our daily, mm. our daily paper because we've got the Sunday paper now, of course, mm. which has been going for three years, mm. and so the daily is constituted by these two online. Um, Online publications, uh, and the, the, what I was coming to was that the morning one has in it a, a publication called attached to it, the shortlist daily, which we've been doing for a long time, but mm. now it's part of it. Mm. And the shortlist is a collection of the best essays from around the world, English-speaking world, right. of the day. So there'll be four or five, and if you look at them, there's not one that you. You know, you must read all of them. They are so good. So that is kind of the magazine of today, really. Right. But the monthly has managed because of the way that it publishes, uh, because the quality is maintained, uh, because it's the only one in the country. There used to be the Bulletin mm. and others. Uh, it has, it's look, it's still in a growth phase. Everything else yeah. is, is is going downwards. I mean, yeah. magazines all over the world. Well, I was interested in that because when you started in 2005, it was the start of the decline of print media. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone must have said you were stupid. Well, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> probably right. Um, they so did. Um, it. What drove you to? I always wanted to have. I, I wasn't going to, you know, leave this earth without publishing, without having my own magazine. Oh. I always wanted one. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, oh. I used to go to McGill's. Yeah, and it was know, great. And, and and buy Esquire when Esquire was great. Mm. Before Esquire <laughs> became a man's magazine, you know, <laughs> it it published the best in you know, the Norman Mailer and mm. you know, every, it was. And I used to go to, I used to go from Caulfield on a tram into the city. <laughs> To McGill's and buy these man, you know, the New Yorker when they had it. That yeah. was rare. Oh, they didn't always. <coughs> they didn't. They didn't always have it. I always asked for it. <laughs> I love these magazines, and yeah. 
you know that that. So that was always an ambition. So I was always going to have one. Right. And then and then and then, of course, Eric, uh, Eric Beecher started one before me. You know, yes. called the Eye, and I yeah. thought what the bugger, you know, <laughs> he's beaten me to it. <laughs> Um, but a few years later, I you know I had I had my chance. I had a go, yeah. and uh, so it's, it's a long, long ambition. And again, that was fully born, fully formed. If you right. look at the very first issue, it has exactly the same structure. Mm. The design has cha- hasn't not changed much, no. not much. A few yeah. tweaks, yeah. Uh, but basically the same structure, the same kind. You know, the mm. nation reviewed at the front, the mm. commenters at front piece. You know it. It it, it 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 has the same flow every month, mm. and and it works and it works and people know it and mm. it's not particularly long. It's like thirty or thirty two thousand words or thirty three, mm. and so it's possible to you know to really enjoy and and read that over a month before mm. the next one mm. arrives. And of course, it's also uh, available digitally. Mm. But interestingly, three quarters. 75%, 70 to 75% is still print. Right. Not the same with the Saturday paper. The Saturday mm. paper is about half-half. Oh. Half online. And half print. And half digital, half printed, yeah. And so the magazine, you always wanted a magazine. Yeah, I got it. A quality magazine. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, so what about the newspaper? Where's... Well, once you've got a magazine, you've got to have a newspaper. That's right. right. What, sort of, what sort of publisher course, are you if you course. haven't got a paper? You know, I always wanted a paper too. Right. What so, kind of paper did you want a daily or? Yes, yeah. yes, I still do. You still do. I don't think I'll ever get there because by the time I get there, you know, paper will be gone. Right. Uh, you know, paper is, is is. I think that the Sunday paper might be the last. Australian newspaper in print because of the because of its structures because it was started in the in the time of digital so it's designed to for, compete with digital to, to compete with digital to be produced and cr- and using, yeah. you, produced uh, efficiently through digital means right so we, we yeah. and with 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 the kind of you know uh, management structure mm. that is very thin rather than so. It's possible to publish that, and, and it's only once a week, mm. and I think that we'll be there in paper for quite a while. Mm. But I don't think that of the other papers. I think that they have. Look, two years ago I called it f- five years, but I think I was wrong. I think, mm. you know, I said in five years' time, this is two years' time, two years ago. Yeah. I said in five years' time you won't have any printed papers in Australia. I think there is another five or seven years mm. left in them. I'd, not not necessarily the daily kind. paper. Uh, maybe Fairfax mm. will stop their dailies, uh, but their weekend paper will persist in paper. Mm. It still makes commercial sense because With the, advertising. The, the, the advertising online is kind of very devalued because of the amount of mm. space there is available. Yeah. The inventory is limitless. Yeah. So ads are worth nothing. And they're so uh, ephemeral, too, even more ephemeral than... That's right. Than but, but, but print, uh, particularly for branding for corporations mm. or big mm. arts events, uh, that still works. Mm. Um, it still works in print. And whilst it works in print, you know, you keep printing. And I think that the Australian and Sydney Morning Herald and the Age, at least on the, in their Sunday editions, uh, will continue. Mm. And so they should, and I hope they do. Mm. 
Um, I, I do remember um, a conversation with you about five years ago when uh, the Kindle was really firing. It. Yes. I, I remember you telling me, well, you won't be selling, you won't be around in, just in five, you know, <laughs> five just, years. Just shows you how wrong I can be. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad you were wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, how wrong? Yeah, it, it was based on this, it was based on this idea or this experience, mm. which is the American publishing experience, the way that Americans publish and always have, not so much now, mm. but 10 years ago and before, they would publish a hardcover yep. at, say, back at that time, say, 25 bucks, yep. right? Then exactly a year later, they'd publish a paperback yep. at, at half the price. So the paperback would be a rotten edition. It would be small, the type would be mm. small, the paper would be cheap. Mm. Uh, but people were willing to wait for a whole year to save $12.5, right, to get an inferior product. So I mm. thought that the price imperative was, was so strong mm. that if you got a new technology where the price was a third, mm. and you could have it straight away at the same time, not a year later. Surely that was going <laughs> to kill the book. Well, I was wrong, mm. and and thankfully because I mm. still love the physical book. Mm. Uh, I'm passionate for. I mean, you said, I said I didn't have any passions. <laughs> I love the physical book, uh, <laughs> as do you. Mm. And readings has never been. I mean, walking into readings is always a. Um, and an and energizing experience because mm. it's an energizing place. You know, all these printed books and all these people buying them. It's, uh, it's well, you do notice thing. that the monthly and the quarterly essay are always on the front counter. Oh yeah, you, <laughs> you wouldn't dare do it otherwise. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm there every day. <laughs> oh, Mori is coming. Put it up front. Um, but if I could talk about another mm. imprint, yeah, and that's uh, an imprint that was. That, 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 that began with the beginning of this year. Oh, yes, I was going to ask you about that. And that's, that's really interesting. That, and this is, this is something mm. that mm. I'm you know, very excited about. Mm. Tell uh, us about it. All right, I will. Mm. Um, we, we, we're in partnership with La Trobe University uh, with an imprint called La Trobe, La Trobe University Press. Mm. And I, whilst we have university presses in this country, they operate slightly differently to American University presses, and I've always loved American university yes. presses. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at the New York Review of Books, yeah. I mean, and they have every every American university press will have a full page for its for, forthcoming, for, yes, and for its forthcoming books, and, and they're all fascinating. Mm. You want to buy every uh, whether it's the best copy in the world or what? I don't know. Uh, you've got Yale and Princeton. Yes, and I always love those ads. Yeah, yeah, and MIT, and yeah. and you've got the issues, the big issues, Christmas issue and the spring yeah. issue, mm. where you know you'll have twenty or thirty of these, and you you spend so much time just looking at these books <laughs> and 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 ordering them mm. and ordering them. I go into readings and mm. can you get me this? Can <laughs> can you get me that? I still do it through readings, not through Amazon. Good, <laughs> um, and. I sort of looked at this and I thought, you know, what is it that makes these books so amazing? You know, why do I want to read them? Mm. And, I, and I looked at Australian university presses and I realised that Australian university presses are good, but what they are is they're like trade presses. Mm. You know, they publish across... They, they, they publish mm. uh, novels, they publish 
all kinds of non-fiction, mm. political books. Mm. What the Americans do is they have the scholars, the academics, mm. writing the books for, for a general, general public, yeah. for a mm. general audience. Mm. It's not academic to academic. Mm. It's not uh, non-academic to non-academic. It's academic to the general yeah. public. Now, it's a problematic area because academics have their own language by necessity. Mm. Mm. Each field, each specialty has their own way of speaking and it, it, it precludes the general public mm. because these are technical languages mm. and, 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 and they're completely valid languages and academics get used to write. And yes. so they, they find it quite hard to write, to write for, in a way that, which yeah. translates to the public. But there are some who can do it very, very mm. well. Mm. And if you have the right editors, you can increase the number of academics who can write to the public. And we've got all of that. So uh, we've published our first five or six books uh, under La Trobe, and I'm very proud of all of them. Mm. They're very powerful. And so why did you think, why didn't Black Ink just do this? Um, I think that it has to have the. We could, in fact, the truth is some of the we, black ink books. No, no, the truth is that we have been doing it. Yeah, yeah, you have. Yeah. Uh, but it's black ink, mm. and I think that it's got to have a university behind it, mm. or it's got to have university on the logo. It's so important right. that, that that it's a university press, mm. um, and it's not the, you know the, the publication that the books are chosen not. Just by us, there mm. is uh, there's a small committee, uh, yeah. an editorial board, and Rob Mann is on it, and Elizabeth Finkel is on it from the university, mm. uh, and 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 the, myself and mm. Chris Fike. So, and we really discuss hard. Right. It's like hard talk, you right. know, <laughs> whether a book is sufficiently good to be able to be. Uh, Published under that imprint. That's right. That's right. Mm. Um, you could let me just, for example, coming up now, <laughs> there is a book on artificial intelligence. It's called "It's Alive." I think it's about about to come out. It's by right. Toby Walsh, and it's a La Trobe University Press book, and it's a brilliant book. We we, we sold rights overseas uh, right. to many territories. And it's a wonderful, powerful book. Mm. So th this is the kind of thing, uh, Alan Gingell. Uh, right, yes, it was one of the first ones. It's that's right, that's right, good. that's right. Really brilliant mm. book. So um, that's a, a history of Australian foreign affairs. Mm. Um, and all the books are by you know, these brilliant academics, mm. but in a clear form. So the... And we'll be doing 10 books a year. Right. And um, does this, the arrangement with Latrobe, does that give you a little bit of safety to take a f risk that's not really, not, not really, but it gives, it, well, what it does, mm. it, it, it adds discipline. Right. It adds discipline. You know, uh, the Vice Chancellor, <laughs> John Dewar, the great yeah. John Dewar, signs off on each book. Right. Uh, so it's not we can't. It's not just oh, let's stick another book in. You know, you get that way. No, not we don't really do that. No. We think very hard about every book, but it adds a layer of discipline mm. uh, and, and quality control. Mm. 
No, I said in my introduction, I, I really admire what you've achieved. It's, um, it's amazing, and um, I'm sure many people, myself included, are, are grateful for it. Um, uh, achievement is partially mine, um, I'm and, sure, I, and I'm serious yeah, about yeah. that. W without the you know extraordinary people that I work with, you know, mm. in all in all these areas, in the mm. on the paper, in the, in the publishing, in, uh, in 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 the magazine and the book, mm. without them there is nothing. I mean, no. I'm sure that's a given. But, yeah. um, sometimes you've had the vision to <laughs> to yeah. get it going. Uh, so, what do you think? Of, are you optimistic about the future of Australian publishing and ideas? Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Look, publishing, as I said before, it, it has never been a good business. Yeah. And it's not about to become a good business. But uh, the, the great publishers, and we have some terrific publishers in Australia, you know, Henry Rosenblum mm. and Michael Haywood mm. and, you know, others um, are as good as we've ever had and as mm. good as uh, uh, there are anywhere in the mm. world. Um and these these people will find a way, even if the market is sometimes difficult, and it is, mm. uh, with competition, which is huge from not just the enormous number of publishers, international publishers that are here, and I consider them their Australian branches to be Australian publishers, mm. you know, and, and I accept that fully. Uh, but with the number of publishers competing in the space now. Uh, and all the other forms of media, you know, everyone is on their Facebook all day. Mm. You know, who's got time to read a book? To read a book, you know, <laughs> the podcasts. <laughs> no, no, sorry. <laughs> so, but but I think that these great publishers that we have um, will fi find a way around the problems uh, mm. and continue to publish with optimism and. And, and we'll, be make, we'll continue making small profits. <laughs> yes, well, obviously I'm quite interested in you, in you surviving, <laughs> uh, being a little bit further down mm. the chain. Uh, and people often talk about um, Nick Sherry, for example, made that famous pronouncement a few number of years ago saying there won't be any bookshops in, yeah, in well, five years, when, and yeah. you did too. <laughs> that's, by, right, by that's, right, that's right. I thought us publishers will survive, <laughs> publishers will survive, but not the bookshops. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, it's, this chain uh, is really important, mm. the chain of the, of the serious publisher mm. um, and then the serious bookshop, mm. the independent bookshop, it, critical. Uh, and, of course, readings is um, way up there. <laughs> it's very, very kind. Um, so what else is on the horizon? You've got your you've got your publishing, you've got your essays, you've got your magazine you always wanted, and now you've got your paper. Mm -hmm. Anything else you Well, there, there, will, there will be podcasts. Anything lacking? Amongst other things, there will be podcasts. Ah. That's right. Uh, our first podcast will be a weekly uh, podcast. Uh, we haven't finalised the name for it yet, but it'll be hosted by Richard Dennis who's one of our great mm. writers and great thinkers. Mm. Um, there will then be a daily podcast in the way that the New York Times does it and mm. NPR. Uh, so that'll be a 10-minute news podcast. Uh, podcasts are great. Now that we've all learned <laughs> to put these things in our ears and, do, you know, have, and, and walk our you know, 10,000 steps, and everyone must walk 10,000 steps right. a day. So, you know, what do you do? 
You listen to your podcast. So a podcast is, uh, you know, the walk. It, podcasts are healthy. <laughs> they make you walk. Um, so we'll have those. And uh, there will be a couple of other journals uh, right. which we'll be publishing uh, with some similarity to Quarterly Essay. Uh, and, and, and the first of these will be announced or in the middle of August. It's in 2017. This year, yeah. this year. So there are other journals That's coming. Fantastic. Mm. Well, Murray, thank you so much for coming and sharing some of the history of Black Ink and Schwartz Media. It's been fantastic talking to you. Mark, and, thank and you. It was a great, again, it was a great pleasure. Again, thank you. Okay. Thank you.